morning, everyone. Well, I know I'd be lost without him. I don't know about you, but I'll sing his praise till the day I die. Give him a hand. <laughs> yeah. Well, last year we did a series called Rebuild, right? You remember that? And you know what we did as a community? We pulled all of our money so that we could rebuild some ministries around here. And we bought some gigantic air conditioners. Anybody notice those air conditioners? Yeah. We uh, bought a student van. Have you seen that student van? Take a ride in it sometime. It's really awesome. And we kind of continued our ministry and made some headway in Smithfield, Virginia. And that's what we did as we came together as a community, just like in the New Testament, where we pull everything together and God does some incredible things through us. Is that amazing? He did that. So this year, we're in a series called Rebuild Us. Well, why do we need to rebuild us? Well, because most of us were not taught as children how to build our identity in Jesus Christ. And so what we did was we just drew some conclusions that children do, and we watched parents or we watched significant people in our life, and we began to build our identity in things like our careers, in our intelligence, in our achievements, even on our sexuality. It's the way that people design their and create their own identities. And so as, as we've been focusing, we have to kind of deconstruct and unlearn some of the things that we learned, and we have to rebuild our identity on Jesus Christ, the cornerstone. So we have a key verse that we've been using every week. So I'm going to have you stand up. I'm going to get the juices flowing here, and I want you to sing those praises and say this just like you mean it. Okay, let's read this together. And now... Do you believe that? Yeah, he will never disappoint us. So, okay, so in that, what is your identity and purpose? Who, what are we to be? Living building stones, bingo. We are the living building stones, and what do we build our house on? Jesus, he's our cornerstone. Okay, now you can be seated. So we are the living buildings. Can you imagine the privilege that God has given us to be who and what he wants to use to build his kingdom on this earth? Have you ever sat around and thought about that? It blows my mind that he entrusts us to be his living building stones and to, to build on, you see, anything else that we build on, if we build our identity on our career, on our, all those things that I mentioned, it's like quicksand. Have you ever watched in those old movies, the quicksand, when something just slowly gets swallowed up? Well, what happens to our identity over time is that it gets distorted. And so we have to reconstruct. And this very clearly says, we are living building stones. Jesus is the cornerstone. He's a rock. And when we build on Jesus, he will never disappoint us. He will never let us down. So we have to shift our focus to, I'm a living building stone. I'm building on Jesus. By the way, did you know Jesus was a Native American? His name was Chief Cornerstone. It's pretty bad, isn't it? <laughs> but he's our cornerstone. And today we're going to look at 
the bigger framework, the big picture of what it means to know Jesus. You see, we will never, I can say this, we will never know our true God-given identity until we know Jesus because he's our creator. He's the one that designed us. He's the one that knit us together in our mother's womb. He's the one that had an original purpose for our life. And in order for us to understand how to be a living building stone and build on Jesus as our rock and our foundation, we have to know Jesus. And so we're gonna look at that today. Well, what does it mean to truly know someone? Well, here's a definition of knowing. And uh, I just wanna take down that one little, uh, you can eliminate all the other pieces, but the, the part that really means something here is to have experience with. We know someone, we know something when we experience it. Not just head knowledge, but when we actually have a, an experience, that's how we know. There is a huge difference between knowing about someone and knowing someone. See, oftentimes we think we know someone when we really don't. Take Ernest Hemingway. Here's a great picture of him. Ernest Hemingway. What do you know about Ernest Hemingway? He's a great writer, wrote American classics. What else? Alcoholic? I don't know, maybe. Probably so. What? And he had a fortune? Is that? Oh, a soldier of fortune. See, you, you have a picture. Someone said something over here. See, we... We know some things about him, right? Well, my picture of, what I knew was that he wrote American classics and we had to read them in high school or college, right? So it's not a book that I would pick up. He wrote For Whom the Bell Tolls. He wrote, wrote Old Man in the Sea. American classics. I also knew that he committed suicide. That's what I knew about Ernest Hemingway. But I also created my own picture. I just kind of pictured him as most authors probably are with a pipe sitting around and being all inspired and writing books and finding great fulfillment when he publishes this great American classic. I made up my own picture about him until I watched the movie Papa Hemingway in Cuba, The True Story. Has anyone watched that? So uh, I've been watching movies lately like Hitler and here's Ernest Hemingway. And when I began to watch this, I didn't know that Ernest Hemingway liked to be called Papa. I didn't know that he lived in and he loved Cuba. He loved the Cuban people and he had this mansion there. I didn't know that he was a gun runner for the rebels in Cuba. Did you know that? Didn't know that. I didn't know that he had this terrible temper and that he treated wife number four horribly, but then she treated him pretty bad too. I didn't know that he had these demons that tortured him. Sure, he sat around and wrote these books, but he was tortured in his mind. I didn't know that he loved his friends deeply. He loved his friends. I didn't know that he hated fame. That's why he went out onto the sea to get away from people. He hated the fame that he had gotten from, the, from being a writer. I learned that his fortune and his material wealth 
brought no peace to his soul at all. And that at the end of his life, he was completely hopeless. And that's why he took his life. There's a great line in the movie by his wife. And she said, he's so poor, all he has is money. Isn't that amazing? See, I got a different, broader picture of Papa Hemingway that emerged when I learned more about him. But that's all I'll ever know about him. I've got information about him. I've got more information about him. I know some facts about him, but I will never know him. You see, only those people that were in a relationship with him, like those four wives, like Denny Bart Pettikler, who wrote this movie, who was a young journalist. He was in Miami, and Ernest Hemingway was his idol. And so the way that he learned to write was never through schooling, but he would write out Ernest Hemingway's books. And he, he learned to write by Ernest Hemingway's books. And his girlfriend sent this letter that he had just kind of dreamed up, and, and she actually sent it to Ernest Hemingway. And one day, this young journalist got a phone call and said, this is Ernest Hemingway. Do you want to come down and spend some time with me? And they developed a relationship. And this young journalist learned to know him very well. And they had this friendship. And he wrote this movie to tell the true story. You see, he knew him. He had a relationship with him. We will never have know him that way. We'll know about him, but we won't know him personally. You see, knowing about someone is always from a distance always on the, on the other side of a TV screen. It's knowing about things, it's having facts, it's having information, and then what we do about that person is we make judgments, and we make up our own picture of who we think that person is. That's knowing about someone, and then always we misjudge because we don't have all the information and we're not in a relationship. And we don't really know that person. I did it to Ernest Hemingway. Someone did it to me just last week. We were standing out at a table of food, of course. And uh, this person looked at me and said, you're really competitive, aren't you? And I was kind of blown away. I said, honestly, there's not a competitive bone in my body. I want everyone to win. I'm not good at games. Now, when I was a very angry basketball player in college, I was really competitive, but God has changed that anger in me. And I am not, there is not, and, and the person standing there said, well, what has she ever done to make you think that she's competitive? And she gave a few kind of things, but they were like, um, they weren't really, on track, and I said, honestly, I want everyone to win. I'm not good at the brackets in the final 16. I'm not good at card games because I want everyone to win. There's not a competitive. You see, that person really doesn't know me because they haven't taken the time to hear my heart. And we're not in a close relationship, that person sees me from afar and makes some judgments about me, but really doesn't truly know me. 
because that takes time. And, and this person said, well, you intimidate me. And I said, honestly, I think it's because I'm tall. <laughs> I, I really do. <laughs> you know, because uh, if you know me and you know my heart, I don't think I'm intimidating at all. It's just that I kind of tower over everybody. You know what I mean? And, and I don't mean to do that. I couldn't help it. I couldn't help the height that God made me, you see? See, we naturally do that, don't we? We do that. We take some facts and some information. We make our own picture. We, know some, we look at someone from a distance, and we think we know them, but we really don't. There's this website called Ranker, and people vote on everything. They, they vote on uh, culture and people and movies, everything. Well, I found what they voted on was uh, the 100 most influential people in all of human history. Now, these are the most, they said you can vote on good, bad, it doesn't matter how they've influenced history, but these are the top 100 people that we think of all time have influenced history the most. They've changed the world. And I thought you'd be interested in seeing this because I was. So I started at number 21. Since I watched that movie Hitler not too long ago, I started with him, number 21. So let's look at the top 21 most influential people that have affected the world of all time. Scientists, religious people, whatever, it didn't matter. Okay, here we go. Hitler, Julius Caesar, Karl Marx, Buddha, George Washington, Moses, stop there. Does everyone know all these people? Well, no, you don't know them. <laughs> you, you know about them, right? We will never know them, but we know their names, right? Okay, Abraham Lincoln, Martin Luther King Jr., William Shakespeare, Mahatma Gandhi, Socrates, Alexander the Great, Charles Darwin, Plato, Galileo, Muhammad, Aristotle, Leonardo da Vinci, Albert Einstein, Isaac Newton, who's number one? Jesus Christ. Give him a hand. <laughs> tens of thousands of people, I'm talking tens of thousands of people, voted that Jesus Christ was the most influential person in all of history. Now, do you think that they looked at him like Isaac Newton and Albert Einstein, so many of the people did. They have lots of information, lots of facts about Jesus Christ, but how many of those people really know him? Well, he's the only one on that list that it's possible to know him. We will never know the rest. We'll never know the rest because we can't have a relationship with them. You see, obviously people know about Jesus, obviously we've got lots of facts and information about him, but the more, we have, the more we know about somebody, the less we know them. The more we know about somebody, the less we know them. And we make up our own stories and we create our own pictures of them like I did with Ernest Hemingway and like that person did with me. You know, that used to really bother me until I realized, and this is how I resolved it, I realized that people do that to Jesus all the time. I asked people what their picture of Jesus was, and I got some interesting uh, comments about 
how they saw Jesus. Now, this little video that I have is really tongue-in-cheek. It's okay for you to laugh because you might think, ooh, should I laugh at that? But this actually is the picture that a lot of people in our world have of Jesus. Watch this. Do you think he can fly? Here he comes. Well, all right. Now it's time for me to tell you all what you've done wrong since I last saw you. And don't try and hide because I'm Jesus. I will find you. Let's start with you, Peter. You lied to your mother the other day. Andrew, you said a naughty word when you hit your finger with the hammer. James, you laughed at him when he hit his finger. Moving right along, John, you drank too much wine the other night. Not way too much, just enough to make me angry. Matthew, we fell asleep in church, didn't we? Yes, we did. And Thomas, you were slow dancing a little too close with that girlfriend of yours. Let's see, and you, I forgot your name, so you're off the hook for now. Um, Philip, I saw you smoking a cigarette behind that big rock the other day. Thaddeus, I hate to say I saw you stick up your middle finger at someone who cut you off when you were riding your camel. Benjamin, you aren't wearing your WWJD bracelet. Jacob, I don't mind you saying my name, but not after you stub your toe. And Frank, you know what you did. I just can't repeat it because I'm Jesus. All right, all you sinners, come with me. It's time to pay the piper. Man, it was only one cigarette. I heard that. Look at all these sinners. All right, listen up. Listen to me. I'm Jesus. Listen to what I have to say. I have done many wonderful things. I have healed many people of diseases. I have performed many miracles so that I can tell you this. You're all evil. There is no hope. That's it. Thank you. That's it. You're done for. You're cooked. Unfortunately, that's how a lot of people see Jesus. The more we, information and facts we have about someone, the less we know them. And we see them from a distance. And we put our picture together of who they are. And many people, I had someone tell me that they always viewed him as a cosmic cop. He's just up there waiting for me to do something wrong so he can condemn me. And unfortunately, you've got a lot of friends that have that exact same picture of Jesus. Because the further away, the less we know him, the more we're going to misjudge and put our own pictures of him together. That's pretty ridiculous, but you get the point. You see... I, I know about Paul McCartney. I know about Lady Gaga. I know about Donald Trump. I know about Barack Obama. But I don't know them, and neither do you, because we only see them from a distance. We have a limited slice of information. We have some facts about them. And what we do as humans is we take that and somehow we ball that up together and think that we have the truth. We don't. We cannot know the truth about someone until we're in a relationship 
with that person. Until we draw really close and we become very vulnerable and we begin to risk laying ourselves out there, can we know and be known? We don't know our favorite sports, our profession, the, the professional sports hero. You can read every news article, memorize every stat, and collect every piece of memorabilia, but still not know him or her. You see, it has to be a whole lot more than that. You can't just watch someone play and know them. This is Palm Sunday. And it was the day that Jesus rode into Jerusalem. People had seen and they'd heard about about Jesus, he'd created a huge stir in that region. They knew that he had performed miracles. Some had seen him do that. Some were the ones that had miracles performed on them. Some called him, did you know some called him Satan? Some thought he was Satan. I just read the other day about how Jesus spoke to that person that thought he was Satan. They heard about miracles that he'd performed. Others were intimidated by him. And then there were others who experienced his mercy and his love. You see, many people knew about him. Some people knew him. What was the difference? Well, the answer to that question is relevant to every single one of us here today. Those who knew him, they saw and believed who he really was. They dropped the pictures that they had of him and they said, who is this person really? They knew him and they believed. They experienced relationship with him. Now you see, relationship takes time. It takes time to know someone for who they truly are, not for who I want them to be. Greatest mistake we make in our marriages is we're attracted to someone, we bring them into our life, and then somehow we think that they're supposed to be all that I want them to be. And when they're not, I don't like that. And then we get into conflict and it goes on and on and on. Instead of coming into that relationship and saying, who are you really? And beginning to learn to know one another. And that's what happens. Many wanted Jesus to be their warrior. They wanted him to come and overthrow the oppressive Roman government. That's what they wanted him to do for them. And when he didn't comply with what they wanted, they turned on him and they shouted, crucify him. We don't want him anymore. We want the murderer Barabbas. Interesting, I was speaking to my grandson on the way to dinner last night. And we were talking about that about how people will turn. Pilate said, what shall I do with Jesus? Called the Christ. And they answered, now these are the people that loved him and saw him and rode into Jerusalem and waved palms at him and said, yeah, Jesus, you're the best thing that's ever happened here. And they turned on him and they said, crucify him. Why? Because he wasn't living up to their expectations. He wasn't doing what they wanted him to do. You see, in relationship, we have to spend time. There were people there that spent time with him. They listened to his words. They heard his heart. They didn't enter into conversations with 
their minds thinking about what they were going to say next. They truly listen. You see, relationship is hard. It takes time. It means that we do things that don't come natural. It means that we push through those things that we don't like. You know, Buddy told me early in his life, he said, I just thought if you didn't like something about somebody, you just moved on. Well, I'm glad he didn't do that in our relationship because there's plenty in me not to like because he's the one that knows me the best on this earth. He's seen me at my worst, the good, the bad, the ugly. And the commitment said, we're gonna see this thing through. And the more we've done that, the more we've learned to truly know who this person is that I said I do to. I had a completely different picture than that. But this is who God made him to be. You see, only those in relationship can truly know another person. There were some that day that knew Jesus. There were some that had experienced something with him that words could never explain. And they had a peace and a joy and a freedom that overflowed. So I went to the Bible and I said, okay, I always go to my concordance and I'd look up a word and I say, okay, uh, Bible, God's word, what do you say about knowing Jesus? And I was totally overwhelmed. It went on and on and on. There was so much. And what that said to me is that it is obvious that God wants us to know him. He doesn't want us just to know some facts. He doesn't want us just to have some information about him from Genesis to Revelation, verse after verse. His personal love is there for all people, for all time. His heart's desire is for anybody that'll be open to who he is and his ways that we can know him personally. He's the only one on that list of 100 most influential people that we can know personally. We'll never be able to know the others. Here's a few of the verses that I found. They go on and on and on. I will take you as my own people and I will be your God. Then you will know that I am the Lord your God. And they will know in Ezekiel, I am the Lord. And I love this one because we don't do this very well. If you want to know God, be still. Risk hearing some things that maybe you don't want to hear. Settle down and you can know God because he'll speak to you. You'll be in his presence. Be still and know that I am God. And he says this, I love this. He wants to tell us some things that nobody else will know. He wants to share in the mystery and share that with us. That blows my mind. Call to me, he says, and I'll answer you. And I'll tell you great and unsearchable things that you don't know. He's done that for me. He's shown me things that I've known are from God. And his sheep follow his voice because they know his voice. See, it takes time to learn to know that voice, to tune into the Holy Spirit 
and to be still. We can know him personally. Now this is eternal life, that they may know you. This is what Jesus prayed, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. In order that we may know the mystery of God, namely Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. That blows my mind that he wants to give us wisdom and give us the secrets of his kingdom. But that can only happen in relationship, not when we're from a distance and we say, oh, that God, I've always seen him as long white beard and kind of like you, Rolf, where are you? Right there. You're my picture of God, man. <laughs> yes, it is scary. It is scary because I think it's kind of off. I'm not sure. Off, Rolf. But to know Jesus means to be in relationship with Jesus. Jesus prayed for us about this. He said, one of those, it said, this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you've sent. Well, what is a relationship anyway? Well, like I said, relationships are hard. Kelly and I were talking about relationships, and he said, you know, anybody that says this life living for Christ is, is a piece of cake. It's all about relationship, and relationship. Has anyone here had an easy relationship? Relationships are hard, and, and we have to be intentional. We want them to come easy. We want that person just to settle down and do things the way I want you to do, and then life will be good, right? It just doesn't work that way. We have to spend time together. We just do. We have to talk regularly. We have to communicate clearly. We have to be honest. We have to lay ourselves out there. Anything that we block off from this other person in relationship is gonna be a wall between us. We have to be vulnerable. We have to build trust. And you know what? You've got a risk because if you're gonna love, you're gonna hurt. See, somehow we have this idea that we're supposed to be able to love and all the little birds are singing up there and the hearts are flying like on a Facebook page, you know? No, love hurts. Accept it, get used to it, realize it. Love is gonna hurt you. So you can either make yourself an island and build a wall around you so you never get hurt or you have to love and realize you're gonna be hurt. We have to learn to know the heart of that person. We have to listen to that person. Of course, I've had to teach Buddy all these things, right? <laughs> well, he's had a few things to teach me as well. We have to learn to know that person, not who we want them to be for us. We have to see that person for who God created them to be, not for who I want them to be for me. And then, of course, relationships are designed for accountability. A husband, a wife, family members, church, family. Relationships, we don't like this part. It's why people are slowly drifting away because it is easier to be at the bar because there's no accountability. But with God and God's word and in relationship, there is accountability. You see, I'll see the things about myself that I really don't wanna see. I always, we always point our finger at the other person and say, if you just change that, then we'll be okay. But in reality, that relationship is designed for me to see me. And when I see me, I'm gonna see some things that do need to be changed. 
some wounds that are in my heart that need to be healed, some things that have come out of my mouth that I have to discover where that came from in my heart. You see, we will never, ever, ever know our true identity until we're in relationship with Jesus Christ, until we know him. We cannot know ourselves until we know who he is. Because when we know who he is, he shows us who we are. You see, that's what relationship is. It's relationship. I no longer just know things about him. I'm experiencing things with him. We know that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we may know him who is true. So how can we know Jesus? Well, I can give you a list of a few things here, but in reality, my encouragement to you is enter into that relationship with him. Learn to know him between, I mean, nobody's gonna know Buddy like I do. I know him better than anyone. And my relationship with God and Jesus may look a little different than Buddy's does. So we don't compare. We have to commit to know him more. Commit to know Jesus better. It says in the Bible, his mercies are new every morning. Every morning, his mercies are new. We have to drop our preconceived ideas about him, what we want out of this relationship. We have to say, God, what do you want? We have to study Jesus. I study Jesus. I love him. I love how he was with the Pharisees and the religious people. I love how he was with women. I love how he was with children. I love how he was very direct in his communication. I love the stories he told. I love this guy. I just love him because I want to know him more and more and more. And so every day I get up and I, if you want to know Jesus more, just read Matthew, Mark, Luke. You can walk with him and you can talk with him and he'll talk to you. And it's a growing, living relationship. But we have to be, uh, we have to communicate regularly. You know, a lot of times we'll just pray and we'll, we'll overload him with all of our words instead of stopping and letting him speak to us. So we have to communicate regularly. We have to allow ourselves to be vulnerable, lay ourselves out. He knows all that stuff that you don't like about yourself anyway. You might as well lay it out right before him to be vulnerable, honest, open. And we have to allow that relationship to transform our heart and our mind. And then there's that little thing of accountability. Jesus loves us so much that there are things in his life that he wants us to surrender so that he can get them out of the way. But in order to do that, we have to be honest with it. We have to bring it to him. We have to listen to him and say, God, I am so sorry for that. Would you give me the power and between you and I in this partnership and this relationship, we can get that out of my life. We have to allow him to transform us. Now, I just want to speak right now to those of you that may never have entered into a relationship. You know about Jesus, but you really don't know him because you've never entered into a relationship with Jesus Christ. I can offer this to you. We don't need beautiful music playing in the background. We don't need anything special. But we can sit here and you can decide, do I want to just know about Jesus or do I want this relationship and actually 
experience the King of kings, the Lord of lords, Jesus, who was crucified for my sins and rose again. If you've never been in a relationship with him, here's all it takes, is to say, yes, Jesus, I believe who you say you are. You're the son of God. So many people didn't believe that. Many people called him Satan. Many people said, you heretic, saying that you're God. But here today, we can say, yeah, Jesus, I get it. You are the son of God. And secondly, we have to believe that he came to this earth, that he was crucified on a cross for the forgiveness of our sins. He took our sin on that cross and was nailed and he died so that we could go to him, not a priest, but to him and ask for forgiveness. And then we have to believe that he resurrected from the dead. Many people don't believe this. They just say that can't be true. That's just a fairy tale. Many people, we, we believe that. Without that, we have no power to overcome the sin in our life. We don't believe in a living God. The resurrection, Jesus is alive. And we have to believe that. And as simple as that, in Revelation 3.20, he says, I stand at the door of your heart and I'm knocking. And if you believe those things about me, oh man, I want to come in. I want to sit down with you. You can smoke that cigarette if you want. I don't care. I'm not here to condemn you. I'm here to love you exactly as you are. Good, bad, ugly, that's the most perfect relationship we could ever have. And as, we, as we're in this relationship, you're gonna receive power so that you can live a life of fullness and fulfillment and get that other stuff out of your way that's ruining your relationships and ruining you. So that's for those of you that have never entered into a relationship with Jesus Christ. But yesterday as I was walking, the Lord kind of shifted the end of this message for me. And I thought, you know what? I want to speak to those of us who've been in a relationship with Jesus, no matter how long, maybe two years or more. Because if you're still in that first year, you're still learning to know him. There's, a, there's an excitement but for those of us that have been in a relationship maybe two years or more, it's really easy for us to just kind of lose the luster of that relation. Buddy and I have been married 42 years. You know, a lot of people will say, oh, we just grew apart, you know? Well, I'm just still learning new things about Buddy. He's still learning new things about me. And I hope at 70 years, we're still saying, oh, yeah, I didn't know that. Because relationships are to be alive and organic and learning new things about one another. And I want to speak to us that maybe have gotten a little complacent and we forgot to get up every morning and say, God, you're allowing me to be a living building stone. I have Jesus Christ as my cornerstone. Today, I want to build your kingdom. You've given me that privilege and that honor and we're forgetting that. And we're getting to a place where, yeah, 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 I know, I know about God. I know, yeah, I had, I, I know, I've got a relationship with him. 
Do we say we know him intimately and personally beyond simply just recognizing some facts or just a mere acquaintance with him? Because a vibrant, up-to-date relationship reveals new things all the time. Things we need to change. See, God designed relationship for accountability. So for all of us, the Lord just kind of shifted me to this scripture that many people say, ooh, when I hear that, I shake in my boots. It scares me to death. But it's a loving warning about whether we know Jesus or we just know about him. And it's this. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But only those, but, but only those that, that do the will of my Father who's in heaven. Many will say to me, Lord, Lord, didn't I prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons? Didn't I do all kinds of miraculous, wonderful things for you? Didn't I perform miracles? And then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Well, Hank worked for months on Mr. Smith's candidacy. He passed out flyers, walked from community to community and handed out buttons and put up yard signs. And he called potential voters asking for support and he poured much of his own money into the election. After months of Hank's tireless work, election day arrived and Mr. Smith, whom he had done all this work for, he won. It was so exciting. And they held this celebration party and to Hank's delight, Mr. Smith was there and he was mingling with the supporters and Hank walked up to congratulate Mr. Smith and he shook his hand and he was so proud of all the work that he had done to help get this guy elected and he spoke of what a remarkable campaign it had been and what a privilege it had been to serve him. But Mr. Smith returned Hank's enthusiasm with a blank stare and the words, do I know you? You see, we can strive tirelessly. We can serve fervorously. We can do good things endlessly, yet still not know Jesus. We can be a pastor. We can be a band member that sings songs. Or we can feed the poor every day and miss knowing Jesus. So how can we be sure? Last night, I had someone come to me afterwards, and I could see the fear in her eyes. And she said, that verse has scared me to death since I was a little kid. And I could just see her trembling. And I said, do you have a relationship with Jesus Christ? And she said, I do. I said, do you love him? Yeah, I do. Well, you don't have to fear anymore because you know him. Do you know Jesus? She said, yeah. And I said, you let that fear go. You walk out of here confident in the Lord because you are in relationship with him. But I want to ask you, those of us, two years and more that have been in a relationship, what new thing have you learned about Jesus recently? Is there anything new? I asked the staff this the other day. 
What's something new you've learned about Jesus? If you haven't learned something new about this person that you're in a relationship with, maybe it's getting stale. Maybe there's a freedom and an excitement that's not there because something's going on. I can't tell you what that is. You can only go to the Lord and say, God, what is that? And I can guarantee you he'll show you something in your heart, maybe. And she said to me last night, I, I asked her, I said, it, could there be anything in your heart that's blocking you in your relationship? And she said, no. Then have no fear. You're in relationship with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, and that's how we can do our checkup, is to know, do we know him? Is that relationship vibrant? Let me ask you another question. What new thing have you learned about yourself lately? Because if you're not learning new things about yourself, some even some ugly things, then you're not gonna be able to work in this relationship to surrender that to him and become his identity. You see, that's how we develop his image is because in that relationship, he shows us and he changes us and it's up to date and it's vibrant. And then we can go out and do what the song said, sing his praises because of his love and his mercy because they're new to me every morning. Or are we just a believer that says, yeah, I know Jesus. You see, when I go out into public, I'm not ashamed of buddy. That's my husband. Buddy's my husband. Whatever their judgments are of him, I don't give a rip <laughs> because I love the guy. I'm committed to him. Are we that way with Jesus? Because here's what I've learned. To know Jesus is to love the guy. When we know him, when we truly know him, we'll love him more than what other people say, what other people think. And we'll want other people to know him that way too. That's why I'm doing this message today. That's my heart. I am not competitive at all. I want everybody to love Jesus the way that I love Jesus. I want people to know Jesus the way that I know Jesus. There have been hard times in my relationship with him. There have been things that I haven't understood. There are times when I've cried out to him and he hasn't acted in the timing that I wanted him to act in. But I learned that if I obey him and I persevere, he comes through. He comes through. That's what a relationship is all about. They're designed so that we can know him. And we'll become clear on who he created us to be. We will never discover our true identity or ever go deeper with Jesus unless it's vibrant, up to date a growing relationship. The question for all of us today here is, do you really want to know him more? Because he's there. I'll tell you, I love this song that Jody's going to do. It's called For the Cause of Christ. And if you look it up, you'll see Carrie Job is the one that leads people into worship with this. And when she wrote this song, she said, I just want his name to be so much bigger than mine. I want to live for the cause of Christ. And during this song, I don't know what uh, God will do in your life. I just know for me, it's a declaration of what my life, what I want my life to be. Let's stand together and worship.
your stature in my brother's eye. I pray and set about my life that I live more to build your name than mine. And to hear from your spirit, Lord, and we We've been in your presence today, Lord. And I just pray, Father, today for every person that's standing and listening, that's worshiping online or in this room or elsewhere in the building, Lord. I pray, God, that we would not leave here today without knowing you. Father, knowing you personally and knowing you with all of our hearts, Lord. Knowing you and growing in you. And, Lord, I just pray that you would just fill us so full of you today, Lord, those of us who know you. Lord, that we will be... Uh, Father, that we will um, be all about who you are in this world, Lord, and that you would use us to make a difference. And Father, I pray that if there be those today that for the very first time acknowledged you, acknowledge your death and resurrection on the cross, Father, that you would wrap your loving arms of love and care around them. Father, we just know that, uh, God, we don't want to um, get there, Father, and realize that uh, we really didn't know you. And so, Father, today... We just thank you that we can know you and love you with all of our hearts and that, Father, that you love us and you love us with all that of your being because you gave all. And so, Lord, I just thank you for that today and I thank you for the message in Jesus' name. Amen. If you receive Christ today, there's a table out in the lobby that you could pick up a salvation band. We'd love for you to have one of those. And uh, don't forget about Easter. It starts Thursday night. Invite your friends. God bless you and have a great day. For this God.